0: Hello, my name is Claude Gallet, and welcome back to the Global Conversations podcast. This is the second episode in a series on the internship experiences of some MGA2s. Today, we have Emily telling us a bit about her experience working in the Permanent Court of Arbitration at the New Singapore office. Emily?
1: My name is Emily Choi. I am a third-year student in the Combined Law and Masters of Global Affairs program at the University of Toronto. I am in the Combined Law and Masters of Global Affairs program because I really like international law and international relations. And so for my first year summer, which was after my first year of law, I wanted to do something in international law and that was why I chose to work at the Mechanism for International Criminal Tribunals. So my first summer I focused a lot in international criminal law. I did some research and some casework, and. It was a great experience to work in public international law, but I thought it might be a good experience to look for something in private international law and to learn a little bit more about investor state arbitration. And that's why this summer I interned at the Permanent Court of Arbitration in their new office in Singapore.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the Permanent Court of Arbitration? What do they do?
1: so the permanent court of arbitration is the oldest intergovernmental organization in the world arbitrating disputes historically between states and as someone who was really interested in public international law this was kind of uh, like this feeling of grandeur just the opportunity prospectively of working for them because some of their big cases for example was the islands of palmas case where this was an international arbitration with max huber and he basically set out the principles of how uh, state sovereignty can work. And another huge case that happened recently from the PCA was the South China Sea dispute. And for someone who just wanted to know more about that, the PCA seemed to be the place to go. And so the PCA's office is in The Hague. It's in the Peace Palace, so the Peace Palace was built for the PCA and then the ICJ came and took over some of their office space. And they are expanding rapidly over the last few years. So they opened an office in Mauritius in 2011, I believe. And the PCA just opened their office in Singapore in 2018. And so what the Singapore office does is that they deal with any cases pertaining to Asia. And so these cases normally are investor state dispute, because the majority of the cases that the PCA handle are investor state. Uh, that Occasionally if state-to-state disputes happen in Singapore that are brought to Singapore then it'll be there but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, so there's case work that the office does, uh, there's also research work so they contribute to reform in international arbitration because it is quite a controversial field. Uh, it's expensive, it's not transparent, the arbitrators have been claimed to be biased, although evidence doesn't necessarily show that. biased towards investors, I mean. And so they ha- are engaging in reform, so they are participating in the UNS trial working groups on investor state arbitra- arbitral reform. And they also do some just assistance with arbitral tribunals. So if it is editing transcripts, that's what they do as well. If it's they manage the budget within the arbitral tribunals, And that's what the PCA office in Singapore does.
0: Okay, so what did you expect going into your internship at the Singapore office? Can you tell us a little bit about what you personally did?
1: I was the first intern at the PCA office in Singapore, so I had no expectations going in. I had zero idea what I would be doing because... A number of the work that goes on there is confidential. So what I can say is that I assisted with arbitral tribunals in their work. So assistance may be summarizing the party's pleadings, for example, just for internal memos, uh, and also to do some research for some of the publications that the PCA does available to, I guess, the arbitral communities. So my supervisor, who's this lovely woman, Uh, She's really a leader in the field of international arbitration, was working on a couple of publications on investor state reform and the Permanent Court of Arbitration's role in it. So I was helping her with research on that, and then I was also editing transcripts.
0: What made you decide to apply to the Permanent Court in the first place?
1: So the Permanent Court of Arbitration normally only takes SJD, which are PhD students in law, and legal practitioners. And so my thought about applying, which uh, I think changed after 2016 when Trump was elected. When I saw Trump can be elected to office, there is absolutely no excuse for anyone not to apply to anything. So I thought, okay, well, why not try to apply for an arbitral institution that only very smart people can get and I don't have the qualifications? Seems to work in this day and age, so I thought, why not? And I knew I wanted to be in Asia. So I had just heard the PCA opens an office in Singapore, so I thought, perhaps there is an opportunity for me to work for the PCA in Singapore, despite the fact that I lack qualifications, I may be able to find and create an opportunity for myself to work there. I think I got there at a very lucky time. The head of the office is this wonderful human being, and she is receptive to mentoring young people who are interested in this field and the office was expanding. So when I first arrived, I worked on a desk probably the size not too much larger than my own laptop, so I used my own laptop. And we also moved to a bigger office, so then I had my own desk, I had my own desktop, so that was a big change for me. So I I applied just at the right time, and the process was the same as if you were applying to The Hague. So you submit your CV, you submit a cover letter, uh, a reference letter, And I think that's basically it. But I indicated in my applications that I want to work in Singapore. And I had spoken to the head of the office in Singapore as well. And I said, is this an opportunity I can set up? And she said, yes. And so that was the application. There was no interview or no formal interview.
0: So when you first heard that you were getting this amazing internship, how did you feel? Did you experience any imposter syndrome?
1: When I applied and I interned at the PC in Singapore, Every single day, I did not feel that I was adequate to be in the position. And then I thought maybe it would have been better had I finished my law degree, maybe done a specialization in international arbitration before I began. And then the more I thought about it, the more ridiculous that idea is, because how it works in any legal internship, any legal job, is that after you finish a three-year law degree, no one knows anything ever, and the firm or institution will just end up training you. So being at the PCA in Singapore, it was really a great hands-on experience, and I think the biggest barrier for students who are interested in go- doing work in legal institutions is really to develop the confidence to walk in and tell themselves, at least fool themselves, that they are capable of doing it, because the institution will end up training you. And. I know at the PCA and any international arbitration institutions or legal fields internationally, the key asset that anyone looks for is language skills. And I personally don't have any of that. I speak English and marginally German, but German has no use in Singapore, I can promise you that. But anyone who does have language skills are at a huge advantage and they should absolutely flaunt that in any application process.
0: Next. I kind of just want to ask, what was it like living in Singapore?
1: Singapore is a nicer, more efficient version of Toronto. It is certainly a lot smaller and the public transportation works phenomenally there. The weather is insanely hot coming from someone who absolutely loves the winter and really appreciates relatively moderate summers. Singapore is quite humid, but it is also an insanely rich society that has spent a lot of money on air conditioning, so it is very infrequent where you have to walk more than five minutes without being able to duck into a mall. So the weather-wise, it was a transition, but I got quite used to it. Uh, The whole city itself is so efficient, and the food is so excellent. There is every single possible Asian food you could want in Singapore, and it's extremely cheap. So everyone talks about Singapore being this very expensive city, and it is only for housing and for alcoholic beverages. Aside from that, food is very cheap, so three or four dollars, equivalent in Canadian dollars, will get you a full meal for lunch or for dinner. Uh, So in terms of transitioning back to Canada, it was quite hard to get used to the fact that, one, the TDC barely runs on time, and if it does, then you have a billion people packed on the platforms, and two, the food here is quite expensive, and it is generally more American style, where there's a lot of burgers, there's not a lot of good, cheap asian food so that was a transition but living i think long term in singapore or toronto would be very similar there's lots of high rises in both places there's quite a lot of diversity in both cities Uh, so there wasn't a lot of transition for anyone concerned about that or a culture shock from going from toronto to singapore
0: was there anything about singapore that surprised you
1: singapore is a great city for outdoor activities, shockingly enough. Uh, It has a fantastic park connector system, and so it's quite easy to run around the city in a uh, non-traffic-filled environment, shockingly. So, for example, from my apartment to Marina Bay Sands, which are those three spaceship-looking towers with that rooftop, uh, it was about probably a 45-minute run, almost without traffic. And so, for me, that was a huge factor when I was trying to figure out which city I would work in is that would i have easy access to athletic facilities and the thing about singapore is that there is a huge access to that that is public and free the private gyms are really expensive so i really benefited from the open gyms
0: did you get to travel at all while you were there good
1: i thought i would have more time to travel around during my internship my internship was actually insanely busy so Initially, the first assignment that I got was to summarize the party's pleadings in a case that had been ongoing for the last 10 years. And I had three weeks to do it. And on a field of law, I had absolutely no prior knowledge about. So I spent quite a bit of time just trying to get up to speed on the law, which meant staying quite late at the office sometimes. And sometimes I came in on the weekends, but of course that was not expected, but I wanted to make a good impression. Uh, to my supervisor. So it was quite a busy summer. And I had hoped that I would go to Malaysia or uh, Thailand or Vietnam, but I didn't really have that time when I was in Singapore. So anyone doing my internship probably shouldn't expect a lot of free time or traveling, but know that it is a fantastic opportunity to actually learn about the law.
0: Emily, thank you so much for speaking with Global Conversations. I think your experiences would be extremely helpful to anyone looking to intern at the permanent court. It's been a pleasure, and honestly, I learned quite a bit. This is the end of this podcast episode. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time on the Global Conversations podcast. Bye.